tell the audience a little bit about uh, what you do. Uh, I'm a creative agency owner. I've been doing basically business in the creative space now for 16 years. Started my first company uh, back in 2006, 2007. It's basically kind of around the time I was kind of a side hustle for me at first. And then I took it full time. Uh, when the economy really started to tank, I was in the mortgage industry at the time. And that really started to change things for me. And I was like, you know what, I'm just not going to put my income in the hands of anybody else ever again. So that uh, made me go all in on myself. And I pretty much haven't looked back ever since. Uh, my agency does a lot of creative work from videos, explainer videos, uh, websites, rebrands, new brands, a lot of fun stuff like that. Um, and we do print, video, and web. So we kind of cover all three of those, kind of the front side of marketing. We generate uh, traffic as well for the, you know, basically the assets that we build, whether it's a website or a landing page or a funnel, um, things like that. But we we drive traffic through SEO and through paid ads. So that's kind of a nutshell. We're almost full service, but uh, we really specialize on the creative side of things. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah you know, like one thing I um, noticed uh, when I first met you is you have a really great operation and also too, you, um, you know, a lot about marketing, you know, a, a very wide array of marketing, because what I found is that some people specialize, you know, they're focused on one type of marketing, but you know, quite a bit about different types. So, um, you know, I have an interesting question for you. Like what is kind of like a truth, you know, like a marketing truth or like a business truth that, you know, but is a little bit different and contrarian to like, you know, what most people believe. Yeah, I think that most people believe, especially in my industry, that marketing is some form of an art. And there is some truth to that, but it's more of an and. Marketing is more of a science. It's a science and then an art. Uh, we've seen, especially in the last decade, you know, companies that have built really ugly websites that have made a lot of money. And it's because the, they understand the science of marketing or they're at least falling in line with the science of marketing and doing things based on what's going to make people feel not intimidated, not overwhelmed, giving them too many options, right? Creating a brand personality, like there's all these different elements to it. So I think really understanding as an agency owner, as a marketer, that you actually need to first educate your client and then take them through a process where they have a plan. And I think the planning phase for me is where I've really set myself apart because of the mentors that I've had. Um, so I'd say that the truth is, is that people need to have a marketing plan and not just throw stuff at the wall and think that marketing is some sort of art, like, oh, I got a good idea and I think we'll do it this way. No, like you need to have a scientific plan that is proven that you can walk through, document, and then go execute, and then be able to make adjustments and pivots throughout that process. And if you think that you're going to get results in 30, 60, 90 days, in fact, I'll be in, I'll be even as bold as to say, if you think you're going to get results in a year, you're fooling yourself. So a lot of these business owners want to go to uh, work with agency owners like myself or just any kind of web design owner or marketer, whatever. And then they get 90 days in, they're like, I'm not getting any results. Or they even get six months in, I'm not getting any results. And it's like, well, I can understand that in six months, you should be seeing some results, but the real ROI happens in the long term over that long time horizon. So for me, I think just having realistic expectations, having a plan, and just being super clear that it's going to pivot and adjust as time goes on. Awesome. So do you, um, do you think that's true for all marketing that it takes a year? Or do you think there are some things that will take sooner? For example, like lead generation, right? You hear a lot of these lead gen companies, I get pitched, you know, from lead gen companies every day. And they're usually talking about like, hey, we'll get you results 
guaranteed within 30 days, we'll generate you X number of leads. And if we don't, we'll give you your money back. You know, like, so do you think that there's some types of marketing where it's going to be faster, like lead generation? Or do you think like, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? So I actually had a client uh, conversation the other day with somebody and they were telling me the same, very similar situation. Like, oh, you know, they're telling me they can do this and get leads going in really quick and they're going to do it on performance. They're going to do this. What companies like that are doing is they found a tactic, right? You found one tactic that works. It's a proven tactic, which is great. But as the market changes and market shifts, if you're building your business on one single tactic, that's not really a plan. That's an easy strategy. So you have to be able to actually develop a plan that, okay, you're going to take that traffic and now you're going to actually funnel that traffic over to like taking them from LinkedIn and funnel them to an email list or to a Facebook group or to a circle community or to a networking event or whatever that is. It's how you, it's not just the one tactic and and transaction that you're doing to get that initial lead and drive that result. It's what are you doing on the back end of that deal long-term? Because you know this, 97% of people aren't ready to buy right now. And whether they're going to buy in a month, a week, a year, or two years, right? My sales cycle from the person that sees me for the first time to the time they buy, I've calculated this as yearly, roughly a year and a half to two years. Hmm. If I'm depending on just LinkedIn for that, I don't really have a cohesive, like full-blown strategy. I'm just kind of relying on one tactic and it's just, you're just playing a numbers game at that point. So I, I like to kind of take a bigger, broader approach of like, what does the full ecosystem look like? So that if this goes down, I'm not losing a ton of business. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So on that note, you know, like I would say that's a mistake, you know, that people make like not having a plan and being very short-term minded, you know, once it right. comes to marketing. Um, only wanting like, what is the strategy? Tell me the secret strategy instead of building a robust, like holistic approach. So what other mistakes do you see like business owners make once it comes to marketing besides some of those? Um, So the first mistake I see is the plan. The second mistake I see is unrealistic expectations about acquiring clients. Like if you don't have a plan, then the chances are you don't really understand what your customer acquisition cost is. If you don't understand what your customer acquisition cost is, how can you continue to scale and grow and build more customers? The lifetime value of those customers, like so many people don't have the real data within their business to actually scale their marketing. So they just kind of up and down, they hire somebody and it doesn't work. And then they go away and they try it again. And then, and then they blame the marketing companies, right? But if you have that system on the back end where you know how much your average customer is, what is the life cycle of them going from initial contact to sale and you have all those data, now you can actually take something and make it scalable. So that's what I see a lot of business owners make that mistake. They just don't write it out long enough. And then the other one is watering down other people's stuff. So like you'll see another marketing company like, oh, I like their stuff. And then you'll kind of take some of their content or you'll be like, oh, I'm going to use some of their stuff rather than building it from your foundation. You're building from, you're kind of watering down their foundation and because you, I know that 99% of people don't actually have a marketing plan and they're just throwing stuff at the wall and hoping that it sticks, their stuff sucks. So what happens when you go and take your competitor stuff just because you think it's cool and appeals to you, that doesn't mean that other people are thinking the same way or that you're getting results from that. So for me, I want to make sure that I'm getting results and I want to base that off of who I am, what my heart is, what my purpose is, what my mission is, and build everything off of that. That cannot be replicated, right? It can be imitated, but not replicated. So for me, I want to make sure that every single website, every single marketing campaign, every single ad, every single video that I do is all in line with my brand, my vision, my dreams, my values. Yeah, hundred percent. And, you know, it kind of, while you're talking, kind of like reminded me of college, you know, I was, uh, 
back in college, I was going to Sac State and um, I was taking some psychology classes. Yeah. And uh, one of the psychology classes, uh, there were, the researchers did a study. I can't remember the specific study, but mm-hmm. essentially in a nutshell, it's like, okay, with adults, like, do you want one piece of candy today or do you want like two or three the next day, right? And a lot of people opted in for today. Yep. Um, and it kind of like, even though it's adults, you know, even though these are like grown people, mm-hmm. they're still so short-term minded. And I think it's no different for business owners as well. You know, it's like oh, yeah. people are focused on the short-term and sometimes they neglect the long-term thinking. And so, especially now, you know, with all these convenience sort of apps like Instacart, you know, like Uber, yep. it's not really helping, you know, it's like, I want things now. I want things fast instead of, um, you know, understanding patience and that things take time, you know? That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Long, got to think over the time horizon, long-term, um, not the short-term thinking that those stuff, those things will work and get you some results, but the, where the real results are, it's like the iceberg, like, okay, you can get some results there, but the real value is below the surface there and all that extra work that you got to do on the back end to, to create that actual plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. Now, do you think, what, what are your thoughts on that though? It's like, do you think society will get to the point where like, you know, do you feel like we've been always like short-term minded and like, how can we kind of get society to be a little bit more patient and understanding and like, you know, understand the long-term thinking instead of the short-term, or do you think it's just human nature for us to just focus on a short-term? There's nothing we can do about it. And like the people that are long-term focused will end up winning. The book that I read, and let me just pull it up here. I have it in my library, um, talks about this exact same thing was over that time horizon and thinking about the long-term, how people want that instant gratification. Where is it at here? So Ego is the enemy. It was such a good book. And I wanted to, I wanted to be able to bring that up. I think it was in Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Um, but essentially, I think we live in an age where our country is the type of country where we're the eternal optimists. And we think that everything is going to be more, that everything's going to get better, everything where other countries have kind of the opposite thinking. They're the pessimists and they're the eternal pessimists. And so it broke it into four categories. And I thought it was a really powerful book. I think it was Elon Musk that recommended it. I'll have to get you the title, but, and it breaks it down as like in the United States here, I think that it's going to become more and more like that, that instant gratification All right now. Like I don't want to get in a plane to go visit my mom. I'll just put a VR quest on my head and it'll be so realistic for her and for I, and we'll just call it good with that. And we'll just see each other digitally in the virtual reality. You know what I mean? So I, I do see it going more that direction of that instant gratification. That's why I'm building tools within my agency um, and within my Instagraphics brand where we are going to have AI, you know, the virtual reality stuff, like all that stuff is planned because people want, like, if you could just step into my office with me right now and you needed a new website and we could design and build this thing together and you didn't have to wait a week, two weeks, a month, you'd pay a premium price to have that instant gratification right now. A lot of people would, right? Mm-hmm. I can charge. And this is not like, if I did this, I have done this for years. I can have somebody walk into my office. In fact, the sign on the side of my building here used to say $1,000 for a same-day website. I would give people a two to three page, just super basic, basically brochure site for a thousand bucks. And that would take me three to four hours. Hmm. They were paying for that instant gratification, for the connection, to learn, to see their website. They didn't have a website when they walked in and now they have a website, right? They're paying for Mm -hmm. that end result. And I could charge $1,000 and make over $250, $300 an hour 
for that amount of time versus most web designers are charging half that, if not less, right? Mm -hmm. So that instant gratification I see is going to be more and more of a part of our, our daily life for sure. Right. hundred yeah. percent. Awesome. Um, so that being said, like, uh, what are some like marketing trends, you know, that you foresee? I know that you just mentioned VR and AR, um, but what are some like marketing trends, you know, marketing strategies that you see will work in the future, maybe even right now in your opinion? I mean, I don't think it's possible to have a marketing conversation these days without bringing up AI and chat GPT and mm -hmm. journey and the futurepedia.io and all the hundred sites, you know, different AI tools you can get in there. I think those are going to be major parts of how we do business, how we streamline things, how we automate, how we interact with clients. Like that's going to cut so much time. And a lot of people are afraid of that. But for me, the most valuable thing that I have in my life is my time, right? With If I didn't have any time left, my daughter, my wife, my family, my friends, like time is the most valuable thing. I, I heard Brad Lee talking this morning on a podcast about like, if somebody offered you $10 million, but you couldn't wake up tomorrow, you wouldn't take it. So that means when you wake up in the morning, you should feel like, man, my, my morning is worth more than $10 million. Pretty amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. So you should be excited about your time. So AI tools and these different trends that we're having where we can automate, right. Go high level, everything that's in the tech stack nowadays that you see these things give us back our time. We're able to basically buy back our time to focus on the things that truly matter. This type of stuff, relationship building, connections, podcasts, interviews, education, like those are the kinds of things that I see are going to become even more valuable and are more people are going to have. And I think that all ties back to ties back to a brand. Yeah, hundred percent. I think, um, I think like uh, those are all really true. Um, I, th I, I see right now that reels are doing really well, you know, like the YouTube shorts. I've been going hard on YouTube shorts four times a day. And, wow. uh, and I'm thinking about, man, should I go five or six times a day? It's like, Why it's not? popping, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's garnered, I think, a, what, a billion, you know, um, fact check me on this, but I think like a billion uh, like daily viewers wow. on, on YouTube shorts a day. Yeah, wow. it's, 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 in, it's growing. And I even see it um, really surpassing uh, TikTok, you know, oh, Mr. Yeah. Beast says that like, man, you too, if you had the power to actually generate revenue on your content versus not, why wouldn't you go to YouTube shorts, right? 100%. So, um, so I think once people start to see their friends jumping over and how much money they're making on YouTube shorts, then they'll take their content over there and focus on that more. Well, yeah, the, the creator economy, if you will, is going to be so much different in a few years from now with AI because AI is going to be kind of an easy thing. And so companies like Google, companies like, you know, ChatGPT, where they're pulling their information, they're going to have to license information from creators like us. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to get permission in the form of currency or in the form of form of some sort of release, right? There's going to be consent that comes behind this stuff. So content creators this is a great space to be in. And I think the fact that YouTube is going to start monetizing YouTube shorts and start allowing people to make money off that similar to Instagram reels, the person that ends up offering the most and has the most fluid platform is going to be the winner. And I think YouTube's just got such a big head start. It just makes more sense. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Now, what? Um, how do you see like business owners being able to leverage AI um, for their marketing? Like, you know, whenever there's a gold rush, you know, there's like a land grab, you know, people go over yeah. there, whoever gets there first gets the most. And then by the time people like trickle in, 
um, towards the end, they kind of lose out on most of the rewards ready. Yeah. So like, wh- what is a land grab right now once it comes to AI? Like, what can people be doing to like garner the most land, you know, related to AI and, and their uh, business and marketing? Well, what's cool about it, uh, there's a couple dynamics to AI that are good and then a couple that are bad. One of them is that it can't be copyrighted. But if you make an original art piece out of that, that out of that AI piece, then you can copyright it. So being able to take those pieces and completely customize them, make them unique to your brand. Like, I mean that, like your personality, your core value, like when you add the branding and the storytelling side to the AI artwork, that's where it's going to become valuable. And that, that information can be used in thumbnails, can be used in, in ads, like AI is going to become such a daily part of our life that we're going to have ads. It's kind of like similar to like something you share with me. Actually, I won't give it away, but being able to make an ad that specifically goes out to a group of people like, Hey, John, and have an ad that's specifically catered to that person. And maybe even like talks about their state or one of their interests. Like you're going to see advertising gets so personalized. And so like, it'll show a picture of me from my social media with that specific shirt on, on the ad. Right. Like that's the level that AI is going to bring us to. And I mean, I've, I remember a few years back, there was a campaign ad campaign that was running for clothes. It was like sweaters and jackets and stuff. And they had people's last names on them. And I was like going through ads. It was like anybody named boy cell. And they were running ads to the people with the last name boy cell and all this t-shirts. And I'm like, what in the world? It kind of tripped me out and made me feel <laughs> a little, like a little uncomfortable, but that's going to, that's going to not just be a reality. That's going to be every day, all day long. That's what we're going to be seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're definitely right about that. It's like personalization is huge. You know, if you can figure out a way to personalize and make it feel like you're talking exactly to that person. Well, I'm uh, writing an article right now for Digital Marketer that's literally talking about how you're going to take an image, a reference image, like, you know, MidJourney can take a reference, <laughs> put that into the system, right? So if I use somebody's photo, that it, it scrapes somebody's photo off of their Facebook page, puts it into MidJourney and recreates an image based on the art on the shirt or the clothing or the the device or the gadget, whatever I'm buying and puts that in my hand or on me or whatever, and then shows me an ad with that. I'm gonna be like, dude, that hat is dope. I need to get that hat. That's freaking sweet. Right. Wow. So that's what we're going to be seeing here in the future. And so the people that are starting to think like that um, are going to be ahead of the game. The other thing is, and I, and I know we talked about this before is crypto hmm. cryptocurrency and taking payments and monetizing your content that you create through cryptocurrency and getting what we call like micro payments. Mm-hmm. Another big deal. I just talked about this on my last article. So I think web three crypto AR AI, like all these things are, are huge and there's so many rabbits to try to chase. You just got to find the thing that really is most authentic to you and to your mission and your va- values and your mission, like your purpose. And that's kind of what I'm just doing is I love art. I love design. I'm going to take my, my background in social impact. I want to take my passion for art and design and use AI as a tool. One of the tools, one of the many tools in my belt, combine those and say, Hey, how can I reach more people? How can I make a bigger impact with these new tools and and buy back my time so I can spend my time planning and strategizing and doing more, connecting with more relationships so I can make the impact I'm trying to make. Yeah. hundred percent. I think that's, that's on the money, like figuring out what, what you're going to enjoy doing out of all the different types of things out there. That's why I'm going so hard on podcasts, you know, because number one, I like one-on-one conversations with people rather than a group setting. You know, if it's a group setting, I'm usually quiet and just listening, you know, and if it's just one-on-one, I enjoy the banter and the back and forth and also having like discussions with people, not on just like one thing, but like you can take the conversation in so many different ways 
And, um, and sometimes people share ideas or opinions that I might not agree with. And so instead of just like fighting with you, it's like, Hey, let's have a conversation about it, you know, and let's discuss these ideas and hopefully it can show people that, you know, especially in this climate that like, even though we disagree, we can still like each other and be friends at the end and respect each other, you know? That is one of the missing pieces in our world that is just as far as society goes is just crumbling as the left and the right and this polarization and just the world that we're living in is like, just goes back to that love thy neighbor, man, if I, I got to love you the same way I love myself. And most people don't even love themselves well enough to be able to love other people real, you know, so I think what we're seeing now is is the pain that people are really feeling inside themselves. They're not, they're not, I'm not lashing out at you. I'm not lashing out at all these other people. What I'd be lashing out at is myself. I'm seeing a reflection of something I don't like in myself. And when you acknowledge that and you realize that whatever it's, whatever it's bringing up for you and it's making you mad and wanting you to write back, that's, that's something that you got to work on. That's something you need to identify because man, it's going to affect your business. And 90% of your business problems are your personal problems. So if you're not thinking about that and you're getting emotional or you're trolling or, you know, doing that kind of stuff, it's like, that's a fruitless activity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Empathy is so huge. You know, like this, this is what we're talking about empathy. And, and I think once it comes to empathy, it's so easy not to be empathetic through like a screen. Like if you're, you know, kind of going back and forth with someone on Twitter, (laughs) but if, but if you're in person with them, it's like, you're not going to say some of the things that you would say on Twitter, you know, because A, it's like, you know, there's, there's more of a human connection there because you're with them. And B, it's like, if they're bigger than you, they can knock you out. <laughs> like what do you say, you know? Yeah. So well, you, like, <laughs> you see that they're a person, right? You see right. that they actually have feelings, emotions, families, brothers, sisters, wives, and, and who knows what they have going on in their world. You know, like everything I post on social media isn't the coolest. I, I post some insensitive stuff sometimes, but that's just how I felt in that moment. And if somebody's going to get pissed and think that that's who I am because of one thing that I post, that's on them, man. Right. I'm really not worried about it. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. And I wonder, you know, with with the world becoming more virtual and us, you know, going into the AR and VR world, if there's going to be even less empathy, and I really hope not. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. We need more. We need more empathy. That's honestly. I mean, I went through a really hard season last year, and through that hard season, I read a book that was uh, all about abuse, and mm. it was a really deeply impactful book. And a lack of empathy, and especially in, in men, is a cause for a lot of the problems in the world, a lot of the division between men and women, and a lot of the inequalities, and like a lack of empathy on men's side. It's time for us to step up and take accountability for that. Uh, and our, just because we were taught a certain way, or because our parents did it a certain way, or our grandfather did it a certain way, and he was awesome or cool, doesn't mean that's the way we need to do it. So I think that that, that we have an opportunity to evolve our, our mindset and our thinking, and empathy is a superpower. Mm-hmm. How how do you think people can build empathy? You know, uh, I think listening instead of just talking. I think actually meeting somebody where they're at and showing up for other people. I think a lot of people are what's in it for me? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Just shifting from that taker mindset to a giver mindset, and just being able to just listen and hear, and then you know in order to empathize, you have to understand in order to understand, you have to grasp, ask great questions. Right. And so just learning how to ask people better questions and not questions from a place of judgment, but questions from a place of understanding and, and being able to be like, Hey, you know, I, I hear what you said, but I don't know if I fully understand 
where you're coming from. Like, why is it that you feel this way? Or what is what what do you think caused you to believe this? Or why do you think, you know, I believe this? What do you why do you think that we have different views? And just being able to ask questions to people and, and engaging in that dialogue, I think, you know, is is really powerful. And then, you know, when you take away the judgment and the ego, empathy all of a sudden starts to starts to show up in weird ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, lis- listening is huge. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yep. And one of the chapters is, you know, listening and empathetic listening. There's like different levels of listening, you know? And so a lot of people never get to the empathetic listening. You know, they're just either listen, like hearing and like one word goes in and out goes the other, like you're hearing what they're saying or you know, kind of like active listening, but you still like are thinking your own head, you know, what you're going to say back, but like empathetic listening is a whole nother level that a lot of people don't get to, which is just this really listening to them and, and not thinking anything, you know, just feeling what they're feeling. So I think that's huge. Um, I, I really think that volunteering is such an underrated thing, you know, like, once you volunteer, it's kind of hard to not be, not, not to feel good afterwards. Yeah. Like you just feel good afterwards. And I think that really builds empathy right there. It's like, you've helped someone, you feel good about it. You see that you actually improve their lives. And so maybe that becomes a practice, you know, like everybody talks about meditation. It's like, what if volunteering becomes another practice, you know, like a cold shower, like people are into the cold showers right now, jumping in there, you know, or like working out, doing push-ups, pull-ups. It's like, what if you like spend some time to volunteer? Like, what could that do for your life? hundred percent. You gotta, you gotta, just like anything else, you gotta put the reps in, you gotta keep practicing. You gotta keep putting the time in and making the investment into empathy to really get a better understanding. Um, It's an area probably of my biggest growth in this last year is just being able to have empathy for other people um, in a new way. Cause it's so easy, especially as a Christian to judge and to, chalk things up as the, as the enemy or the devil, or, you know, like making mistakes or sin. And it's like, it, it's just function or dysfunction at the end of the day. And when you listen to people and you, and you listen to actually listen and not just to respond and you try to meet them and see where they're at and you take the time to understand where they're hurting and why they're hurting. Like we all have something, right? And so that's just being able to, Oh, here's another thing. In order for you to to have good empathy, you have to show up and be vulnerable to make the other person feel safe enough to be vulnerable to really get to the place of where they're at, mm-hmm. for them to be able to share where they're truly at. Because otherwise, if you're like, oh, I'm great and I'm this and I'm that and I'm happy and I'm I'm grateful and all these different things, like they're not going to feel like they can share their their garbage, share their junk, share their shadow self, share the the things that truly matter that you need to hear in order to be able to meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's definitely huge being born. Um, I I also saw a study that said like people that have a hard time with empathy um, don't have means. So like they're focused on like, you know, there's like a, uh, what's the hierarchy of needs. Uh-huh. So if you're just focused on like trying to figure out when your next meal is, it's kind of hard to like be nice or be empathetic to people. Now that shouldn't be an excuse, you know, like no, even not- though you're broke, you can yep. still be empathetic, That's but right. it's a little bit more difficult when people are like in their back of their minds, they're like struggling to survive, you know, yeah. they're in survival mode. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so like, what if we can also figure out how to get people to 
get out of that state of survival mode and get more, especially with AI coming more and more people are going to lose their jobs, you know, and I kind of, I can see both sides. Some people say that the AI is different than the, you know, other industrial revolutions out there. Um, you know, because you hear people say like, yeah, just because AI is coming doesn't mean that you can't find a, you know, it's not going to create new jobs. Yeah. But it's going to create less jobs than before, you know? So that's one thing I'm kind of like debating. Hmm. I, I think just like the internet, it's going to create massive opportunities. I think just like every major technological, when, when something went away, right? Like we used to have a horse and buggy and the cars came and they're like, oh, this is going to destroy. There's still horses. People mm-hmm. are still breeding horses. People are still selling horses, right? Horses may be used in a different way now than they were before, but there was a bunch of jobs created off of the automobile, right? At, at every big turning point in our world that people, there's always been people that are like, oh my gosh, it's going to destroy this. Oh my gosh, it's going to destroy this. That goes back again to that eternal optimist versus the eternal pessimist. And then there's the indefinite optimist and the indefinite pessimist, right? And so like these are just four quadrants. And I think it's important to just operate from a place of abundance, but not a place of entitlement. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Or, or even being naive, you know, yeah, what's going on. For sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, like I, you, you mentioned Christian, you know, being a Christian and yeah. um, being, empath- you know, trying to be more empathetic. So like, I noticed that I admire it too, uh, that you're very open about your faith. And I can imagine some business owners not being comfortable sharing about their faith, you know, so oh, openly. Yeah. So have you ever like felt that by talking about your faith, you've alienated some business owners? Um, you know, to be honest, after some of the conversations I've had in the last few days and what I've gone through last year, I am very positive that in the past, throughout my last 15 years in business, when my faith has been very out, even more outspoken, right? Faith-based business show that I had at one time, I'm sure that I offended and pushed people away that weren't in the same beliefs that I should have been a better steward and a better person like Jesus and welcomed and and met them where they were at and accepted them for where they were at rather than casting judgment. And I don't think I've really judged anybody, but I'm sure that I've been so outspoken that I've just been too much for people, right? And so now it's not that I dial it back. It's this just I understand how to listen first, see where they're at on their journey because like everybody's in a different phase of their walk. Just because you you don't accept and believe in God yet, it doesn't mean that you're not going to at some phase in your life. And if you don't, then you don't. When you get to when you get to the pearly gates, I believe you're going to be you're going to be confronted with the truth one way or another, right? In this life or the next. And so I think whether you choose to accept it, you know, I I'm just at the place now where I'm just going to walk it out myself. And if somebody sees that and they they like that and they see the fruit and the things that are happening in my life because of it and and they're they want to try it out, then uh, that's that's really just the person I want to be. I just want to meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, how do you deal with kind of like if someone is, um, you know, they might feel a little bit alienated mm-hmm. because of your openness, your faith, like how, how do you deal with that? Um, I think, again, it comes back to our conversation of, of empathy is like, you know, I would just tell somebody, you know, and, and I'm sure that, like I said, I'm sure that it's happened before. If somebody came to me and said something, right, they communicated to me of how that made them feel, I would first apologize and, and apologize for making them feel not seen, um, you know, dismissed or like their opinion or their viewpoints weren't valid because they are. 
just because it doesn't, it's not the same as me. It doesn't mean that it's not valid. Right. So I think if I've made ever anybody ever feel alienated because of my faith, um, I would just want them to, to understand that that came from a place of me that had nothing to do with them. Right. That it, this mm-hmm. is something that I need to own. And I'm, I'm sorry that I made them feel the way that I made them feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to go about it, but I'm not going to apologize for being me. Right. right exactly. You can't, you can't apologize for being yourself. You gotta, you gotta stand firm in what you know for yourself is the truth. And I, I I've lived too many years of my life without God. And then I've lived a lot of my years with God and I, I prefer with God in every way. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So, um, kind of like a change of topics, you know, like I saw a recent posts you made about mm-hmm. like, um, you list out a bunch of mentors yeah, that uh, like a ton of mentors and kind of like the lessons you've learned from them. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess like if you had to summarize it, like what are some of the things that you've learned from your mentors that really changed your life? Oh man, we could do a whole podcast episode. <laughs> you know, mentors are like my post mentors change everything. I like, I want to put, I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. I'm going to say that right now. I'm going to claim it and I'm going to make sure that it gets done and I'm going to send you one. Mentors change everything. I think there's uh, a reality to my situation that if I hadn't have found the mentors that I had and, you know, God hadn't put them in my life, uh, I could have been on a very different path today. Would I would have been an entrepreneur probably, but probably would have been doing something totally different that wasn't in my true, my true alignment with who I am and what I want to do. So you know, I've had mentors that have taught me how to get on stage and speak. I hired a book mentor. I've hired fitness mentors. My, my one of my current ones right now, Mickey. Um, I've hired spiritual mentors that have come in and helped me in different ways. Pa- former pastors that counseled me on my marriage. Um, I, anybody that's going to come into your life that's an expert that you would switch places with in that specific area of your life, I would consider to be a mentor. If I would like one of my first mentors, Larry. At the time, when I was 17 years old, I was working a working a nine-to-five job, making horrible money, doing nightlife stuff on the side, and I started designing flyers for him. He had a, a, a consistent job working as a, a gang task force in the prisons for Folsom Prison. He owned a, a bar, nightclub that I was doing the, the nightlife events for. He was well-connected. He was, I mean, he was just had everything in his life, great car, great home, multiple homes. Just he had the success in his life that I wanted, and I was like, wow. And all the people around him in his life were the same way. And I'm like, like my dad said, hang out with six millionaires, you become the seventh. I'm like, well, I'm just going to hang out with these guys and see where this goes. And <laughs> this is where it goes, where I'm at today, right? So I, I have mentors in almost every area of my life, um, spiritual, physical, emotional, my health, my wealth, my relationships, like in every area. And I think it's important to have not just one in some areas, but sometimes you need two or more. Like Michael Jordan, when he was playing basketball, he had four mentors, four coaches that he worked with during the time he was playing basketball, just for his, you know, he probably had one for his shot, for his free throws or one for his, you know what I mean? He probably had one in, in different areas of playing mm-hmm. the game. And it's like, if you want to be the best at what you do, you need to find experts that have figured it out, right? That have the knowledge that you need. You need to go acquire that as quickly as possible. A mentor is like a shortcut. People are always looking for shortcuts and secrets to success. That's the secret is get a mentor or hire a mentor or hire a coach. That's the shortcut is by getting those people that have already figured it out. They have the knowledge that you need and you can acquire that for money, for time, for however, however you acquire it. It's up to you. 
but just by giving, you know, things like that. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's it for me. I think mentorship is a game changer and it's something that I want to now do for as many humans as I possibly can. My goal is a million. I want to mentor a million people, not all obviously directly, but indirectly and directly want to mentor a million people and uh, be able to give them like, especially at risk youth, give them a million computers with my mentorship programs on those computers that they can go and really build a future on. Mm, Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that sort of, you know, I love that you're wanting to make that sort of positive impact. So like if someone is getting started and they're looking for mentors, they're like, you know, they hear you and they're like, yeah, I want to get a mentor now, Adrian. How, you know, how can they go about that? Where, where can they find mentors? Like how have you gone about it? I love this question. I think it's really important because um, there is this level of entitlement in our society and this like, well, this person should want to help me and they're successful and they have money. So it's not a big deal to them, right? Like it's still got to be a win-win situation for both people. I could be a a millionaire or a billionaire right now, but if somebody's going to come in and waste my time, like I said, that's my most valuable thing. It doesn't matter how much money I have. It's it's the time that I have. And so if you're going to take my time, then you need to come to me with a specific goal. Like, Hey, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. And I'm trying to do it in this amount of time. These are some of the challenges that I'm facing. This is really what I need. Can you, or do somebody, you know, you know, are they willing to help me? Are they willing to support me in this? I I don't have a lot of money. And just being, again, using that, that vulnerability, that superpower, I don't have a lot of money or I'm limited on funds, or I don't have a lot of time. And just being real about your situation let them make a decision from an honest, educated standpoint. And if they say yes, then accept the gift. A lot of people have a hard time receiving. It's like, they're okay with giving. Oh, I'm going to give my family this. I'm going to give my friend this. I'm going to give this homeless person this. But then when it comes time to receive, they're horrible receivers. And so have your stuff together. And then when you, when you do get very clear on what it is that you want first, then you go and you approach them with, with what you know and what you need. And then from there, take it seriously and actually do what they say. Don't just like listen to it and take the time. You're like, cool. And then just keep doing the same stuff, like actually apply it and integrate it into your business or into your life. Right. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. You know, having something that will like a clear vision of what you want, sharing it with them. So that way you can save time because you know, they're very busy. It's not and my then, job to try to figure your life out for you. Right. Exactly. You know like figure your stuff out <laughs> and, and go to a counselor, go to a therapist, work more jobs, meet more people, help more people, like discover who you are and what, what breaks your heart in the world and what matters to you, what makes you get up out of bed and go to the gym, like figure yourself out before you go take up somebody else's really precious and valuable time. It's not their job to figure you out for you. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Love that. So what kind of, um, rela- what for those people too, like what does a mentorship relationship look like? You know, there's so many different I guess, ways like relationships. Some people are like, Hey, every week we'll meet at this time. And some people it's like, you know, you talk to them once in a while, whenever you have a question. So like, what does a, what does a good mentorship relationship look like? You know, there's so many dynamics. I'd be like, what does a good website look like? Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's like impossible to really give a one size answer. But what I can tell you is that you have to fit into somebody's values and and schedule, you know, they, like they need to be able to make the time. Both people need to be able to make the time for each other and make that commitment and hold each other accountable for the the things that they said they're going to do. I think that's a really important piece to it, but most people lack in that 
integrating part. That's where a lot of people struggle is like they can get the information, but then how do I apply that? And so if you're going to have a mentor, you need to make sure that they're available to walk you through the steps one step at a time. And they were actually like qualified. Like I said, you want to be able to switch, like be willing to switch places with them. Like if I wouldn't change places with somebody, I wouldn't ask them to be my mentor, right? If they don't have fruit in their life, like there's people that are extremely successful in business, but lack significantly in their personal life that I would never ask to be my mentor in business and personal in any area of my life, right? So just because they're good in one area doesn't mean they're good to be your mentor. And so I think you really need to look at them as a whole, as a person, and then tell them honestly and realistically, these are my expectations. Is this something that you can do? And if they say, yes, they're making agreement with you, then you need to hold them accountable for those things. And if they don't show up for you, this is where your communication skills need to come in and say, hey, look, when we first started, this was my expectation. I appreciate that you said yes and that you're giving me your absolute best. If I need to compensate you for your time, please communicate with me. Please just let me know. Or if if this is, if we need to adjust things, please let me know, right? And just being able to have that effective communication, which most people are afraid of confrontation and afraid to, to go to somebody that's higher up or more experienced or has more success than them, right? They're intimidated. That is not going to help you win. That's not going to that's not a, that's a scarcity mentality. You're operating out of fear. So operate out of love, love and honor that person, their time, their talents, their gifts, love yourself, your time, your talents, your gifts. And then just, just be a giver, man. Make it, make it a two-way street where it's like, Hey, how can I be here for you? I thank you so much for everything you've done for me. Oh, you need a flyer. Oh, you need a design. Oh, you need a website. Oh, you need a referral, right? Oh, you just need a friend. A lot of, a lot of these mentors, like it's lonely at the top, man. Like oh, yeah. when you get to the top, there's not a lot of people that understand the game of business and the game of life the way these people do. Like they've figured out the secrets and, and the things that societies use to keep us down. And they've, they've broken those things off of their life. So the last thing they want to do is, is be around more people that are going to bring them back into that type of thinking. So just make sure that, you know, your, your understanding of their situation and where they're at and you don't try to get them to come meet you where you're at, you know, mm-hmm. on, on certain levels. Right. Yeah. I think that's huge. Um, you know, being able to, it's, it's almost like a dance, you know, it's yes. like, how can it benefit both parties and how can you kind of work in tandem with them? So, 100%. uh, love that advice. So, you know, like, um, I'm sure you know there's a, a ton of business uh, gurus out there, like mega gurus. You got like Elon Musk, you got Mark Cuban, you got Grant Cardone, Gary Vee, like uh, Hormozy. And there's like so many different um, entrepreneurial gurus out there. Mm-hmm. So in your opinion, like who do, who do you admire most? You know, like what's your list of people that you really, really admire up there, um, like uh-huh. the mega gurus and and why? Super cool. Um, so I've had the the blessing of being a part of a lot of different groups. Arte Syndicate, which is led by Ed Milet and Andy Frisella. Ed Milet is one of the coolest dudes, just one of the most badass dudes on the planet, like just period. As a man, as a father, as a friend, as a believer, as a businessman, as a you know group leader, like on every level, this guy exemplifies what it means to just truly be your best version of yourself. And he's a huge inspiration for me. Um, it's it's not about like fitness and vanity and looking like a like, like a tough guy. like he doesn't he's just a, a stinky sheep like everybody else. and he has so much humility. and those are the people that I look up to. Um, or those are the kinds of people that I look up to. Another one is Tom Billu. Guy is extremely humble, extremely smart, extremely giving 
worked with him on now on multiple occasions and he's just a really really talented really great human being i uh, really love him jeff hoffman from priceline.com i mentioned him on my post just extraordinary guy uh just part of a giant um and then my mentors you know my main ones that i've mentioned before like larry my my boy larry ellis uh he's he's just a titan as well like literally almost the size of a titan he's like six six you know 300 pound dude just a just a oh, monster wow. of a man but just the biggest heart of anybody i've seen um uh, and doesn't have billionaire status or probably i mean i'm sure he's millionaire by now but isn't on the billionaire status but he he lives such a great life he he, he walks it out every single day um I mean, I could, this list for me, I could name probably 20 or 30 people. Um, I mean, honestly, bro, like you're, you're one of those people you are, you're a Titan. I love the way you walk and how you act and how you treat people and the way you sell and the way you just interact with people and, and watching you through the happy neighborhood project stuff and how you show up. Just, you're one of those, one of those really high level guys that in five, 10, 15 years from now, um, you're going to be up there with the rest of us. Oh man. That means a lot, man. I really appreciate those kind kind words. There's not a lot of people out there that are that are willing to show up the way that you and I do. Thank you, man. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really kind of you. Like that warms my heart. It's true. Yeah, that's a that's a great list, you know, of uh, people. Um, I think having people that you can look up to and be more like is great. You know, of course, you definitely got to remember to be your own self, and you know being authentic to you, who you are, but it doesn't mean that you can't admire other people and kind of, kind of, well, that's where we qualities, you know, that you want in others. That's where that dangerous spot is. Like we can't get so caught up in our egos. It's like, we got to, yes, we got to be ourselves. But the reality is, is that me, Adrian Boisel, and a lot of my personality is the accumulation of everybody that I've come into contact with in my life. Right. I am a mesh. I'm a melting pot of all the different people that influenced me and impacted me. I, I have Larry and characteristics of how Larry is with his people. I have characteristics of my buddy, John Hanna, who, you know, just was a, a huge impression, gave me a lot of confidence, just walking, watching the way he did business and interact with the people, you know, Tom's and Jeff and Ed. And I mean, there's so many people that I could name that have influenced the way that I think, the way that I act, the way that I carry myself, how I stand, like, I am not just one of those people. I am all of those people. And that's the beautiful, like artistic piece of life is there will never be another combination of all those people ever again, right? Mm -hmm. No one will ever have all the people that I have. And then like my buddy Herb, like such a unique and odd character, but deeply impactful to me. My buddy, Jean Eves, like just, he's an attorney, brilliant guy that has a degree in human sexuality. Like that little sprinkle of how he impacted me, like, all these combinations like makes my secret recipe, like kind of like my ramen video, right? Like mm-hmm. that there's a lot of beauty and art in finding people that resonate with you and taking the things that are caught, right. Versus the things that they teach the caught versus taught and, uh, and not being afraid to embody some of those characteristics of other people. And that will help you find and like, cause you're going to chew up the meat and spit out the bones. You're not mm-hmm. going to like everything about that person. You don't need to copy that person hundred percent. Just find the things that that align with you and and make them a part of yourself. There's there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great advice, you know, being able to understand like there's um, and that's kind of how I have approached sort of like um my belief system is being able to take things from different um sort of philosophies that people have and then keeping out the things that I don't agree with. And taking the things that I think that will really serve me, 
and help. So I, um, I can definitely resonate with that. Yep. So, uh, I noticed that you've been uh, really getting into shape, you know, like really focusing on your health and your fitness. So, um, yeah, yeah, like what kind of inspired you to start focusing more on your health and your, uh, your fitness, Adrian? Um, what's interesting is I have a four-year-old daughter. She's absolutely beautiful. Her name is Sunny. I talk about her all the time. Little yeah, redhead. I've seen her on posts. She's super cute. <laughs> Just the biggest personality sings and dances and asks funny questions and deep questions and will have full-blown conversations that you'd have with like an 18-year-old. I mean, it's just actually 18-year-olds have no sense typically. So I'd say like a 30-year-old, <laughs> I'm like, I can't believe I'm having this conversation with a four-year-old right now. Right. <laughs> and so like my relationship with my daughter is my number one priority in my life aside from God. And when she was born, uh, she just kind of like shifted everything for me. It was like, I'm done kind of doing things the way that I've been doing with this thought process that I like, I'm going to live forever. And I could just do what I want when I want and focus on work and all the things I just wasn't really living a life that had good rhythm to it. And from the time she was born until she was about three, so about a year, year and a half ago, she's about four and a half now, time she was about three, I completely neglected my health and my fitness, mostly fitness on every level. I was, ch- I had changed the way that I ate. I ate a lot better than I did previous years. No, not really as much junk food, but I hadn't worked out in years, like three, you know, three solid years. And, um, I was just kind of at this place where I didn't realize how much of a difference it had made in me and how weak and small and like just low energy and just like my zeal and excitement and vigor and passion and drive for life was like 10% of what it was in my twenties, you know, especially in my early twenties. And I didn't even realize it. It's just like this very small, it's like the compound effect, right? Mm -hmm. The compound effect works in the opposite direction too, right? 1% worse per day. I got 1% worse per day for three years. And I didn't realize until I got to that point where I was like, it was like a wake up call. And I can't even tell you exactly what that was. I think it had something to do with my, my marriage or my relationship or something, something happened in my life. And during that season, I was praying, I spent some time one-on-one and I hadn't for a while with the Lord. And I was like, what is it that you need from me? What is it that I'm supposed to be doing that I'm not doing now? And he told me that he wanted me to transform my external person, like my figure, my, who I am, he wanted me to transform that to match who I am on the inside, the strength, Mm. the size, the, the, the warrior that I am in my heart and in the grit that I have and everything that I've been through, I needed to show that externally to people. And I don't think it's about vanity or ego. There's, there's a different purpose and mission. And I'm not asking Lord what that is, but it gave me my life back when I made agreement with that. I was like, okay, the Lord's telling me I do, I need to do this and make this a priority. I'm going to do this. And so I started working out on my own. And then my business partner came to town last August and he, I started working out with him and got some kind of got into a rhythm and I started eating protein shakes. And then I was like, it's time to take the next step. And I hired a fitness trainer and paid him for an entire year up front. Wow. And I knew that that was going to be really helpful. And I went hard with him for about a month. And then I think I just... I don't remember what happened. I think, oh, my knee, I had a knee injury and I kind of took two months off. And then I started to feel myself again going, oh, like I'm just feeling like 
I'm not feeling that fire for life like I was. Like when I'm working out, I I walk different, I talk different. Like it's connected to my confidence in a big way. When I can knock out 100 push-ups, right, or 50 push-ups at a time, like I already feel like I won the day just doing that alone without even closing a single business deal or meeting a new person or having anything successful on the business side. Like just doing those push-ups every day just puts my mind in a completely different place and gives me like makes me feel strong and and confident. So I got back on that again and I send my my trainer a, a, a green check every single day and I try to get three a day and majority of days, you know, I'll keep it real, like more majority of days I don't get three done. I get one, sometimes two, but I'm working up to that. It's progress over perfection and making my health and my fitness a priority and transforming the way I look on the outside to match how I am on the inside. That's, a, that's something that the Lord asked me to, to do. And how dare I not go after that and make that a priority in my life. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's amazing, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy for that uh, growth in health and fitness and making that transformation. Yeah. You're totally right. It's like, if you don't work out for one day, you know, um, you, you don't notice it. And then, and then that's kind of like your new norm, right? Your body adapted to that lower level of being physical being and then if you skip another day it like adapts to that and then it gets to the point where you like neglect it so much and you're not really noticing it and then boom something like catastrophic happens in your body to where it's like a wake-up call it's like oh shoot i shouldn't have been neglecting my health for this long and so um and so yeah that's huge you know it's like people Uh, I feel like we take our health for granted, you know, it's like, there's some people that can't even, you know, do certain things because, um, because of they're, they're just not able to physically. And so, um, yeah, I've been doing, I've been, you know, working out close, going close to 10 years now. It's been crazy. And it's definitely been, you know, ups and downs. Like there's some months where I kind of don't go for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, but pretty, you know, I've been pretty consistent the past 10 years and it's gotten wow. to the point where like, for me, it's, it's just fun. You yeah. know, it's like, it's just fun to exercise now. Like if I, if I don't, it's like the Netflix for me, <laughs> you know? Oh, what's that? That's huge. I said, I love that. That's huge. See, and that's what I've been telling myself every day is like, Oh, I have to work out today. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I still have to work out. I've, I'm done with that. That doesn't work for me. That mentality and where I'm operating from, it doesn't work for me anymore. I've rejected that. And I'm like, I get to work out today. Right. I love exactly. working out. I get mm-hmm. to work out today. I love working out. I've been telling myself that multiple times a day because the reality is, is working out is painful. It's a struggle. It's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It, there's recovery. There's all the other things that go along with it and protein and BCAAs. And like, it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of work. Like it, it requires a certain amount of your time. And I just felt like for many years, I didn't have that time to give to it. Mm-hmm. And I would have been kicking myself 10 years from now when I'm freaking, you know, diabetic and all the other stuff that I could possibly be because I neglected it for so many years and I didn't make it a priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely huge. Making a priority. That's kind of how I prioritize health. It's like, I see health as like, if I'm not healthy and I get sick or I, get, you know, there's something really bad that happens to me, then I can't be there for my family. I can't be there for my kids. I can't be there for my business. I can't be there for other people. And it's like, that's, that should be one of the top, top priorities, you know, it's your health and then everything else kind of comes afterwards. So, um, part of your foundation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where my foundation was, was 
was weak and like how confident of a man or a person can you be as if you're like i want to be in good shape and i want to get and i want to get ripped or i want to and then you don't do anything on that right mm -hmm. you don't honor the words and the commitments that you make to yourself that that's going to trickle out from there to everything that you do in your life it's going to take away from your confidence mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so um so yeah adrian this has been a, a real pleasure thank you so much for you know being on and just sharing your wisdom and your knowledge uh, where can people find you? You know, can you share just kind of like uh, plug yeah. your, you know, socials and your, where people can find you? Yeah, I'm easy to find uh, just Adrian Boysell, A-D-R-I-A-N-B-O-Y-S-E-L. Uh, my handle for Instagram is at Mr. Boysell, M-R-B-O-Y-S-E-L. And then you can check out my website, adrianboysell.com, A-D-R-I-A-N-B-O-Y-S-E-L.com. Um, and yeah, reach, reach out to me, send me an email, shoot me a message on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn too. So you can, you can find me on every platform. So whatever your favorite platform is, hit me up there, introduce yourself. I, I love to meet new people. Awesome. Thank you again, Adrian. Thanks. Bye everyone.